evening is on a non-dualistic approach. A spiritual is a search for the end of suffering, for the end of conflict. It's a freedom, both inwardly spiritual awakening the causes of conflict the discovering the means to and a commitment to live in a life understanding a true is not concerned just with my suffering nor is it concerned just with but I feel a true spiritual path, a spiritual life, is one which is of all conflict and all suffering. We have our own through which we have our own to see as a microcosmic view of our life, of our being. Certainly the ingredients for inner change begin with essentially an awareness that change is needed. Without that awareness, then life continues in familiar patterns, familiar ruts. not just the awareness that change is needed, but also a kind of inner vision and inner trust that that change is possible and a commitment to bringing about, bringing that vision, that understanding, that trust into our lives, our relationships, our actions. The search for the end of conflict the search for freedom must be one, I fear, which embraces every area of our own lives, which embraces every area of the world that we live in. If it is to be holistic, if it is to be total, if it is to be liberating in its vision. That search then can't be separated from a social life, a political life, a life of relationship, because certainly conflict and suffering doesn't know the boundaries that the mind creates. Certainly suffering and conflict is not contained with any one area of our lives. But where there is conflict, where there is suffering within ourselves, then that conflict and suffering influences and affects each moment, each perception in our lives. A commitment to a spiritual life is not just a commitment to seeing the end of my problems, my difficulties, my obstacles, my hindrances, but it is a vision which sees that we can't separate ourselves from anyone or from anything. In that search to bring about the end of conflict, to bring about the end of suffering, to bring about a way of being in which we abide in freedom, 
We simply cannot afford to make dualities. We cannot afford to make dualities between I and you. We can't afford to make dualities between us and them. Neither can we afford to make dualities between the spiritual, the social, or the political. Suffering is suffering. Certainly conflict is conflict. We are all connected. None of us is isolated. None of us is an island. And certainly where there is conflict within ourselves and the causes of conflict being perpetuated within ourselves, then that conflict is not contained within. But we bring it to our lives. We bring it to our relationships. We bring it to our interactions. And it is a source of distortion of the connectedness in which we share. I feel a commitment to the end of conflict, to the end of suffering, and a commitment to freedom only has power, only has liberating power if it has a foundation upon a vision of connectedness. That if that vision of connectedness is not the foundation for our search, then there is no love, then there is no action, and there is no end of suffering. When that vision of connectedness is not there within ourselves, instead there comes about a preoccupation with I, with me, with mine, and a pursuit of a comfortable isolation. Where there is a preoccupation with I and me and mine, and when the care is solely directed towards that, then obviously our energy is extended towards creating a world for ourselves, a life for ourselves, where there is the arising of as much as possible of the pleasant and as little as possible of the unpleasant. Comfortable isolation is only a superficial isolation. It's an isolation in which there continues to be separation. And because there continues to be separation, there also continues the seeds of conflict and the seeds of contention. And certainly, when there is no vision of connectedness, I fear there is a perpetuation of duality and in that a perpetuation of conflict. Wherever there is separation, there is duality. Wherever there is a separation between I and you, between us and them, there is in that the source of division and the source of conflict. If we are to be free from suffering, from pain, from conflict within our lives, within our worlds, then we do need to understand what the causes of conflict are. And when we look at conflict, at suffering and its various expressions, the conflict of exploitation, the conflict of oppression, the conflict of violence, when we look at the suffering of alienation, the suffering of aggression, 
we can see within all of that there is a consciousness and a belief in separation. That without a consciousness and a belief in separation, then that conflict, that suffering, simply doesn't take place. The separation between I and you, between us and them, is the breeding ground for division. As long as that separation is there, then that separation is a breeding ground for prejudice, for judgment, and for conflict. As long as duality and separation is perceived to be reality, then this sense of I, this sense of me, is at the center of our universe. And where this sense of I is a separate, alienated, isolated entity exists, then conflict must follow like a shadow. The separation between I and you means that there is fear. The separation between I and you means that there is defensiveness. The separation between I and you means that there is aggression. It also means that there is a lack of freedom. Because as long as the sense of I is a separated, isolated entity is believed in, it can only exist relatively. It depends for its identity upon objects, upon people, upon circumstances. And so then is always conditioned is always molded by whatever we're exposed to. If your spiritual awakening is seeing the falseness of separation of, and duality, is being free inwardly from being bound to a belief in separation as reality, Spiritual awakening, I feel, is a vision of being, of oneness, of reality, which cuts through all differences, which sees that there is no separation apart from what the mind creates. That vision, which is, I feel, the foundation for inner freedom, is a vision of connectedness, a vision of reality, of beingness, which is in and through all differences. When we can see that the differences that we perceive are but differing expressions of one reality, when we can look at each other and see that what we see before us is just ourself in a different form, That vision is liberating. Essentially, the truth and the understanding of the truth is what makes us free. It is not a perception of nothingness. It's not a perception of sameness. But it's a vision of being in which there's a tremendous amount of joy in which there is a celebration of being. It's in that vision that there can be known of fullness, of peace, of serenity, of joy, 
which simply cannot be known as long as we're limited to a vision of ourselves that is bound solely to mind, to body, to personality, and to separation. To perceive the spiritual life as being barren and lacking in joy is, I feel, to misperceive it. So often that there is a sense in spirituality that as we become more detached, that as we become higher, that there's a kind of divorcing ourselves from others and from the world. And there's often in that a sense of in that removal, that there's a lack of joy, that there's a lack of peace, a lack of communion. But if your true spirituality has no element of barrenness, no element of emotional dryness within it. I once heard or spoke with someone who described to me their teacher. They said to me, well, it's so wonderful. My teacher is just a bundle of elements. You knock at the door and there's no one there. It's so wonderful, just emptiness. Which sounds very impressive indeed. And perhaps as an ideal, it's certainly one which is far enough away from us to strive for. (laughs) But I wonder realistically, how many of you are truly aspiring in your spiritual life to be a bundle of elements? I wonder how many of us in our inner search, in our quest for spirituality, seek to reduce ourselves to being nothing there. Surely we seek not to reduce ourselves to being a bundle of elements, but surely we seek through spirituality to know a fullness of responsiveness, a richness within ourselves, a richness within our lives, Surely we seek to know our true sense of wholeness in which there's a relationship to life, to ourselves, of love and sensitivity and care and understanding. Surely we seek to know a fullness of sensitivity, a fullness of respect, a fullness of care in our spirituality. Surely we seek not to get rid of conflict and replace it with any form of withdrawal, any form of barrenness, but to see the end of conflict and to see flowering within ourselves instead a true openness, a true sensitivity, a true care. The end of conflict, the end of suffering, bringing about a freedom is the essence of spirituality. The essence of spirituality, of bringing about the end of conflict of freedom, cannot be separated from its path. If we seek through our spiritual awareness to know an end of separation, an end of duality, 
then the paths that we engage in, the practices that we engage in, the teachings that we find ourselves responding to, must also be ones which are non-dualistic, must also be ones which stress non-separation. cannot in any way separate the means of our practice from its end. Obviously, if we want to sit and know spaciousness within ourselves, then our practice needs needs to be one of spaciousness. If we sit and we seek to know peace within ourselves and within our lives, then our practice needs to be engaged in in a way of peace. If we seek to know the end of tension, the end of conflict, then our practice must also be one which is free from tension and free from conflict. Obviously, if we engage in practices which are dualistic, then it would be unrealistic to expect non-duality to come from those practices. And yet, in many of the teachings that I have encountered, many of the practices that I have encountered, I have also encountered myself practices where there is duality, paths where there is dualities built in within them. Sometimes those dualities are obvious, Sometimes they are very subtle. Sometimes those dualities that are contained within meditation practice and the spiritual life are spoken. More often, they are unspoken. But certainly, where there is those, where there is duality, and where those dualities are practiced and engaged in without question, they influence our vision of what spirituality is. And influencing our vision of what spirituality is, is also influencing our vision of who we are. If we practice duality, we perpetuate duality. If we perpetuate duality, we perpetuate conditioning. And if we perpetuate conditioning, we perpetuate bondage and we perpetuate conflict. would like in the talk tonight just to look at some of the dualities which I feel exist within the spiritual life. Dualities which I feel need to be questioned, which need to be looked at and seen for what they are. And certainly some of these dualities particularly apply to women. Many of these dualities apply to all beings who undertake meditation practice. It is, I feel, an actuality that in traditional spirituality, men are promoted over women. Women are given a secondary status and role in many traditional spiritual paths. 
It is an obvious duality which exists. It is a separation which comes out of cultural conditioning. It's a separation which that cultural conditioning has been transferred to the spiritual life and in that transference being attributed some sort of rightness. Certainly in many ordained traditions, women can only play a very secondary role and a secondary role is an inferior role. They can play a role where they are subject to the power which is given to roles which are not available to them. That cultural conditioning needs to be looked at. There needs to be liberating insight into cultural conditioning. Certainly it needs to be set aside. Certainly in the movement of spirituality into the West, within ourselves we must be able to look at cultural conditioning and discard it. We must simply be able to say no. A woman who respects herself, who has given a great deal of energy in her life to bring about a sense of wholeness and integration within herself, can simply not find a spiritual home in a tradition where she is not valued for who she is. And spiritual maturity, I feel, is being able to look at what is conditioning, whether it is cultural or no matter what the source of that conditioning is. Spiritual maturity is being able to set aside that conditioning and to see that it is as much a bondage as any other form of conditioning and that it simply is no place for it in spirituality. When we are engaging in a spiritual search, obviously we begin somewhere. Some of us, perhaps, some of you, perhaps, are fortunate that you are able to formulate your own spiritual path within yourself. For most of us, we find ourselves going to authorities, to teachers, to traditions, for direction, for inspiration. To know the answers for the questions that we seek. And yet it's also obvious that when we go to those traditions and authorities and institutions, and we don't find very many women functioning in the role of inspiration or direction. And certainly we need to question why that is. Why there are so few women playing an active role in Dharma? Why there are so few women playing an active role in teaching? And certainly we must appreciate, I feel the actuality, that we are influenced by what we encounter and it makes an impression upon our minds. If we come and we sit at the feet of a teacher and those feet are always several sizes larger than our own, (laughs) it makes an influence in our mind. We must ask ourselves, are we assuming in spirituality, are we transferring 
a kind of role model which has taken place in our own lives of being secondary, of being passive, and then bringing that to spirituality and perpetuating it ourselves. Certainly once a Zen master was asked about this cultural prejudice which so obviously exists, and his response was that obviously the body is a body, the elements are the elements, and form is form, and actualizing the Dharma is actualizing the Dharma. And surely we must rever the one who actualizes the Dharma and not consider the matter of being male nor female. That is an obvious separation which is made, which comes out of cultural conditioning. Probably a duality and a separation, which is not a difficult one for us to discard, because certainly we can see the lack of appropriateness for us. And yet many dualities are not so obvious. Many dualities are much more subtle, and in their subtlety, I feel, also have a stronger conditioning and influencing effect upon our minds. Dualities are made between the inner and the outer. One is promoted, one is devalued. The inner is promoted as being worth pursuing, the outer is often valued, as being something to let go of. Duality is made between the spiritual and the worldly. Obviously, the spiritual is to be strived for, and the worldly is valued as being something that we need to transcend. And the worldly, consider what the worldly is, our relationships, our involvements, our interactions. <coughs> There's a separation made between mind and feeling. Mind is often presented as being something which is to be developed, whereas feeling is often looked upon in the light of being a hindrance and an obstacle. <coughs> Separation is made between mind and body. Body is associated often with all form. And in that association, body and form is considered essentially to be worldly, or something which binds us to the world, which binds us to samsara, which binds us to suffering. Mind is often considered to be the owner of insight. The mind is often considered to be the owner of understanding. These dualities, wherever they exist, hold separation and they hold prejudice. And where these dualities exist, I feel there is spiritual imbalance. Wherever these dualities exist, I feel they inhibit an inner spiritual wholeness from coming into being. Spirituality is often seen 
and sometimes presented as a kind of path of negation. Letting go of things, renouncing things, detaching yourself from things. In that negation, for many people, that negation comes to mean a path of rejection. And that rejection takes place on the basis of adopting values which have been attributed to certain facets of life which haven't been questioned. Rejection, too, for many people, becomes a path of denial. And frequently, the path of denial cannot be separated from the path of suppression. But even when there is no suppression, the path of negation, I feel, ignores the spiritual potential of those qualities of our being, those areas of our lives, which have the potential to offer understanding, to offer a deepening sense of connectedness with all life. Where there is dualities made, where there is separations made, there is invariably an attributing of certain values to those dualities. The inner is considered to be superior to the outer. An inner life is often considered to be superior to an outer life. Certainly the life of the recluse is certainly often considered to be far superior to your or my life. Spirituality, or making a separation between the spiritual and the worldly. The spiritual is seen as being something which is very high, and a negative value is often given to the worldly. When understanding is equated with the mind, then invariably feeling is seen to be inferior, as something to let go of. Obviously, when those values are given, then the superior and the positive are things which the side of the duality which has given emphasis to pursuing, whereas the things, the parts of our lives, the qualities of ourselves, which are valued as being inferior, are something to be let go of, to dismiss, to be rejected, or simply to be got over. Spirituality, I feel, is often interpreted as being a kind of inner war of developing the superior, of trying to overcome the inferior, which threatens to overwhelm the superior within ourselves, of trying to overcome the worldly, which threatens to overwhelm the spiritual within ourselves. And yet to me that inner war is an expression of a dualistic way of seeing. To attribute values that something is high and something is low, to attribute values that something is positive, something negative, to attribute values that one thing is worth pursuing and one thing to be rejected, is nothing more than expression of dualistic seeing. And it is dualistic seeing which perpetuates bondage. It's dualistic seeing which perpetuates separation. 
and this dualistic seeing which perpetuates suffering. And I feel that that dualistic seeing cannot be a path to a vision of non-duality. Sometimes it's seen that in order to fulfill our spirituality, we must divorce ourselves from the world, or we must at least to some extent withdraw from the world, that we must to some extent withdraw from relationship, withdraw from social, political activity, withdraw from interaction, if we're going to get together our spirituality. And yet we live in a world in which there is immense suffering. We live in a world in which there is an immense conflict. And I fear that the dividing and the divorcing of the spiritual from the worldly has led us to live in a world which is filled with warring and alienated people. And that the kind of world that we live in is a product of separation, is a product of dualistic seeing. And that the end of that suffering, the end of the exploitation, the end of the alienation that exists within our world today, that exists within the individual, can only come to an end when within the individual there is an end to dualistic seeing. The basic premise of spirituality is to end suffering. The basic foundation of spirituality is to bring about an end of conflict, to withdraw from the world to practice any kind of path of denial or rejection or negation is, I feel, to deny that basic foundation of spirituality. To value the inner over the outer can lead, I have seen so many times, to a kind of narcissistic approach to life where the major concern is I, me, mine, my problems, my difficulties. And sure, the world is in a bad state too, but I'll get to that after I've sorted mine out. In that preoccupation, inwardly, with getting rid of things which seem to hinder our perfection, can consume simply so much energy there's just very little space left, very little energy left to really care for one another. Can consume so much energy, so much space, that there's just very little energy, very little space left to really develop and nurture a vision of connectedness. An awareness of connectedness, giving emphasis to connectedness, is not valuing the outer over the inner, is not valuing the inner over the outer, but essentially setting aside our prejudices, essentially setting aside our conditioned values, essentially setting aside separation, 
It's giving energy not to getting rid of, not to denying, not to rejecting, but taking that energy from rejection, taking that energy from denial, taking that energy from negation, and using that energy to nurture connectedness. And that nurturing in itself is a path to the end of suffering. That nurturing in itself is a path to the end of conflict. A separation is made between mind and body. Mind is often seen in the light of being rational and the home of understanding. Body is often associated with all form and seen to be an obstacle in our spiritual path, something which needs to be transcended through detachment, through seeing as emptiness. Body and form are often seen as being the source of attachment, the source of desire, and so things to detach oneself from to transcend. The body frequently is labeled as being loathsome. (laughs) And reflection is encouraged to despise the body, to see its loathsomeness, to see it as kind of a container of blood, pus, mucus, the rest of it. Obviously, that emphasis holds a very contradictory message for women. Throughout our lives, the body is seen as being a winning ticket to acceptance and approval. Look at the advertising industry. Look at the fashion industry. Look at how much time probably a lot of us have put in our lives straightening our hair, curling our hair, dyeing our hair, pulling our hair out. Because the body is so important, it's made to be so important, the body is identified with who we are as a person. And then one comes to spirituality and the body is hardly a ticket to salvation. In fact, it's the exact opposite. And this muddle of undoing all this conditioning, many women spend a lot of years just trying to make friends with their body. They come here and say, well, make friends with that but that is something just to be transcended. I wonder why the body is loathsome. Do we listen to a child laughing and say that's loathsome? I wonder if we go outside and walk through nature, look at a tree, say, look at that loathsome tree. (laughs) If you go outside and look at a sunset, your mind is still and there's just an appreciation of it. So that's just despicable. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously, loathsomeness is a reaction of the mind. Loathsomeness is a value of the mind which is placed upon the body. And surely, a reaction of rejection is surely just as much a hindrance as a reaction of clinging. Surely a reaction of negation, of denial, is just as much a hindrance as a reaction of attachment and clinging. 
Surely the body in itself is not loathsome. Surely a spiritual vision of light is one of appreciation, one of sensitivity, certainly of seeing that form is emptiness, but also of seeing that emptiness is also form. Surely a spiritual vision is not a vision where there is either aversion or where there is clinging, but where there is a celebration of the uniqueness and the preciousness of all life. Surely a spiritual vision is one where there is a total sensitivity to all the varying expressions of reality that we encounter in our lives. Surely a spiritual vision is seeing that the vision of connectedness is enhanced through appreciation, through seeing that everything that we have, everything that life brings to us, in our body, in form, in relationship, in activity, is a means to sensitivity, is a means to enhancing appreciation, a means to enhancing connectedness. Surely a spiritual life is not one transcending any one side of a duality, but transcending all separation through seeing the connectedness of all life, through understanding the reality and the oneness and the beingness that is in and through all form and all life. Mind is often separated from feeling. Mind is often seen as being very strong, very rational, where feeling is often seen to be irrational, a sign of weakness, and a hindrance to our spirituality. Mind is seen to be the receptacle of wisdom, whereas feeling is simply often seen to be an expression of our reactions. <coughs> Feeling is often seen to be irrational, untrusted, and yet I'm sure if even one day of encountering your mind, you can see that your thoughts aren't exactly to be trusted either. <laughs> mind is often made sacred place where understanding abides, whereas hopefully as you develop you'll get over your feelings. We need to question these dualities. We need to question whether there can even be a true holistic wisdom without feeling. Surely a vision of connectedness is not a vision of thought but a vision of the heart. Surely a vision of connectedness is not a construct of the mind, but a true total openness within ourselves which encompasses every area of our being. Surely feeling is a foundation of love, it's a foundation of compassion, 
is not to value feeling over mind, not to value mind over feeling, but to see that we are a total organism, we are a total human being, and to be whole within ourselves, then that understanding and development and nurturing needs to embrace the wholeness of ourselves. That we cannot afford to make dualities. That we can't afford to make separations. That we must be able to question the influences of values, of conditioning. We must be able to question dualities and separations that are presented. If we are to discover within ourselves a way of being in which there is no separation, Surely we must begin within ourselves to free of ourselves of our own separations, our own concept of duality, our own divisions, if we are to live a life which is free from division. To see that the price of making separations within ourselves is conflict. The price of making separations within ourselves is suffering. And that freedom, inner freedom, which is a foundation for living a life of freedom, a life of love, a life of care, is a vision of reality, a vision of being, and an abiding in that connectedness. May all beings be free from conflict. May all beings be free from separation. May all beings abide in a vision of connection. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.